Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails. Man, that is some catchy music. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I was kind of rocking out to that. That's like the super, super peppy. And I think a little, it's very optimistic. Uh, maybe a little too optimistic for me. So I, I think you all can tell that I didn't choose that. Uh, I'm, I'm Ben Henry, by the way. And uh, this is Giant Cocktails, like I said, where we talk about Giants, uh, Giants baseball while drinking homemade cocktails and with me as always is my co-host and brother matthew um and i'm the back. one that, i'm the one that chose that peppy music that's right <laughs> well that explains it it's right i think we know that a little bit about our personalities it. now don't we indeed indeed i remember when i first heard that music i was like man that seems a little peppier than i imagined us to be <laughs> but that might be as peppy as you imagine us to be so so there you go i see because we can see each other as we're getting ready to share our cocktails i am seeing something peppy in your hand that is correct it is very peppy this is i am uh, about to open and hopefully not end this broadcast immediately by shooting myself in the eye uh, a bottle of uh sparkling white wine i believe the pros call it i would call it champagne even though it's from california uh, it's from Napa, not Sonoma, though. So. Oh, not Corbell, huh? No, it's not Corbell. So let's see if I can do this without blowing out an eye. Here we go. Ready? Yep. Ha <laughs> ha! Success. Success. And I am pouring this. Well, so first of all, why why is it champagne? Well, no, let me tell you about my cocktail. My cocktail is a French seventy-five. So, and I'm going to pour that in now. And a French seventy-five is a champagne cocktail as it overflows my flute here uh, is a champagne cocktail and I dropped the cork it's a champagne cocktail with gin so it is uh, gin uh, lemon juice a little bit of simple syrup and then you top that off with champagne to fill a flute it is called the French 75 because it's named after the French like a French gun which is, you know, French, I think, is like because of the champagne and 75, because even though this is a happy, fruity, celebratory cocktail, uh, it packs a serious punch. So if I don't make it through the show, this is why. <laughs> but the reason I chose this is because we are just days away from opening day, which is a reason to celebrate. And so, you know, I, I thought... I thought that a champagne cocktail would be the perfect way to do that. It is light. It is refreshing. If you don't like gin drinks, hang on a moment. I think you might like this one then. You know, it, it's not too it's not too gin like. Um, the the lemon and the champagne definitely remove the gin taste, but it's a lot of sugar and it's a lot of alcohol, so it's gonna. It's going to put you down fast. Uh, so that's what I'm drinking. What are you drinking, Matthew? Well, I am drinking a cognac ginger lemonade. So oh. I decided to go a little high end today with the cognac. Mm -hmm. Also in celebration of opening day, I chose a very special uh, type of cognac. And so so this cognac ginger lemonade, is, it's pretty basic. Chop up some ginger root and muddle it with some simple syrup. And then you add lemon juice and cognac, and you shake the heck out of it in a shaker with some ice, and uh, strain it into a you know a highball glass with ice, 
and then you top it off with a little bit of soda water. And uh, so it's refreshing, light. The ginger and the cognac play really nicely together. And uh, I'm, it's, it's a nice, refreshing drink. I've, I noticed I've kind of been, been leaning towards these more refreshing type drinks lately. And I think it's just because I'm, I'm ready for it to be summer. I'm ready for it to be you know, uh, baseball season. And I've put the winter behind me. Uh, I'm not into anything dark and, and deep right now. I just want light and fun. And, and uh, so I'm going with this cognac ginger lemonade today. So say we all, man. Cheers to that. Uh, darkness go away, for sure. I think we can all appreciate that <laughs> these days. Uh, so you said it was it was a special cognac. Is that like a very special cognac? Or does it mean a very superior old pale? Or extra old? I have no clue. Dude. Right. It's just what it's... Okay. You know, yeah. So it, maybe was, you can you enlighten said, me on the uh, Yeah, well, the when cognac. you said special, I was like, okay, does this mean, like, is he trying to tell me, like, what the the rating of this cognac is? That's the rating, the yes. style yeah. is? The style. Okay, so I, whatever very... that it means. I don't even know. I just know that I didn't get the VSOC. I just got the very special cognac and... Uh, right, and, right. Okay. And so... Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I'm liking it very much. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good... Yeah. And since they're yeah. not paying me to, you know, promote their cognac i'm mm-hmm. not going to tell you which one it is but it's um mm-hmm. it's it's not one of the the off-the-shelf brands so i'm, I'm enjoying mm-hmm. it well it might be a very good cognac but it's not a very, very old cognac because no. that's what those ratings actually mean yeah. the, the the ratings are refer to the age uh, how aged uh, the cognac is before it was bottled um so 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 yours is actually on the young side uh it is very special because you know it doesn't come it doesn't come lower than that, apparently. Uh, so every every cognac is at least very <laughs> special. And what I like about the ratings with this with, with with cognac, and I'm sorry to dive into this, but hey, this is a show about cocktails and baseball. That's right. So we can we can dive a little bit into the cocktails occasionally. What I like about cognac is the highest rating is extra old. And now that I'm kind of moving on to that period of life where I hear how extra old I am all the time. <laughs> Uh, listeners, that means I have teenagers. Um, the, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that extra old is appreciated, that it is the highest possible compliment that you can give to some things. So I'd like to think that I am like a fine cognac uh, and that, uh, that I just get better as I get extra old. But enough about cocktails, at least for this episode. Uh, we are here to talk about the San Francisco Giants. We are just a few days away when we record this podcast from opening day when the Giants will take on the Seattle Mariners. And we are settling in now to the final roster spots being determined. And we've got a whole host of things that we could be talking about. What are some of the things that we have on the menu for today, Matthew? Well- well, I think first, uh, because we haven't really talked about it yet on any of the previous episodes, is trying to dig into the bullpen a little bit and uh, at least get familiar with the faces. Uh, a lot of new faces, uh, some some returners, but uh, a lot of new guys. So I thought maybe we could talk about that. So first, I think there's uh, the Giants have said they want to keep 13 pitchers. And in a normal season, that would be as many as they, they could have on their roster with some of the new rules that have been in place. But I, from what I understand, with the COVID 
restrictions, they are allowing more than 13 pitchers, uh, Major League Baseball is, for this season. So so Giants have the option to do more, but it sounds like they're going to stick with 13. And so that means eight bullpen arms along with the five starters. And so just trying to predict who's going to make the opening day roster, uh, you know, the, the easy ones, at least, are those who have been signed to major league contracts, who are out of options, uh, guys that have been successful for either us or, or other teams. And so that, that would be people like McGee, uh, Whistler, Jose Alvarez, uh, Harlan Garcia. So th- those are the guys that are a lock, I think, to make this team. Uh, and then after that, you know, it, it gets a little bit more interesting. And, you know, one of the players that I would have told you just based on how, who we know and how we know him, although he's coming off injury, that I thought, you know, for sure would make the, the, the bullpen or make the team this year. And now I'm a little uncertain is, is uh, Maranta. And Reyes Maranta, if you recall, you know, blew out his, I don't know, shoulder, elbow? Can't remember. Uh, he had some type of major surgery. I believe it was his shoulder. Yeah. And yeah, and pre-injury, I mean, he was he was lights out for us, and you know, thrown in the high nineties, and and really had closer material, I think. And then when he got injured, you know, he's been gone for he missed all of last season, and we were all hoping that he would bounce back and be a good candidate for us. But right now, he's only thrown in you know only, but only throwing in the mid nineties, so he's lost some significant velocity, and uh, just not sure how that's going to play out. What what do you think? Well, yeah, just so people understand, he was throwing 97, right? And he had great control. Uh, he was a great guy to bring in with, with runners on. You know, he was a stopper. He was, a you know, a guy you would bring into a situation where you desperately needed somebody to get the next guy out. That was the kind of guy that Reyes Moronto was. And he absolutely was in line to become the closer before pre-injury. And now that the injury has uh, happened and he's recovering in his first game back, he was throwing 92, which is five miles an hour lost off of his, his fastball. Luckily, in the last outing that he was in, he was hitting 95. I can tell you that the team itself is very... Everybody's watching this. Everybody's very concerned about this because they all know that they need uh, Maranta to be more like the guy he was before. You know, I, I think I read an article about how uh, Yastrzemski was giving a, an interview mid-game and uh, he was looking at the, uh, the miles per hour marker on one of Maranta's pitch and he saw that he hit 95 and he remarked about it during the interview. So... So that tells you how important, how fast, and how hard Maranta is throwing is, and the fact that it was a problem, that it is a big, big, big concern. We really, really desperately want and need him to be throwing as close to where he was before because he was lights out. Uh, He was a great part of the bullpen, and I think if you're going to be an optimist about how well this bullpen performs, you are hoping that Maranta looks more like his old self. And it is definitely an area of concern. So, yeah, I, I, I think that how he performs is going to be a big, big uh, indicator of how the season the season goes. You know, I think after that, you're absolutely right. There's really just not a lot of stability or sure things about this bullpen. I think McGee is a sure thing. I think Matt Whistler is obviously, I think, a sure thing. 
and I think Garcia is a sure thing based on how he performed for Giant. So, you know, I think after that, it's really, you know, I think Tyler Rogers, everybody wants him to be the guy. I think at times he seems unhittable. At other times he seems very uh, mediocre. So, you know, I, I think... I'm at a loss for words here, honestly. <laughs> I think this bullpen is very much a big question mark. I think I have indicated that in the past. It is an even bigger question mark to me than the starting rotation. There are a lot of guys in here who have performed well in the past, and if they can perform like that, then I think it would be a great surprise. But it has been a while since they have performed at that level, and I think overall it is not very deep there is just not enough here to get excited about and uh, I, I think I, I think it's a big big problem well it, it could be a problem but I think I think the other the way that they're dealing with it is that they're trying you know they've loaded up on guys also that have options they're, they're looking at there being you know kind of a shuttle between the club and Sacramento uh, if a guy's struggling and you know they they'll option them and bring in somebody who, who who's you know maybe throwing well in Sacramento or at the alternate training site or whatever going to do this 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 season so I think that they they have they have confidence in in about probably I, I would say they have confidence in, in a lot of these guys that they're, they're that are projected to make the club and and you know Jake McGee probably lining up to be the closer. And, you know, and Whistler has proven that he can get guys out. I think, you know, that's a good back end kind of eight, nine kind of rotation. You got a righty and a lefty. Um, so I, I think that there's some they have they have they feel good about that. But then, you know, then you've got guys like Wandy Peralta, even, you know, Tyler Rogers. If Maranta makes the team, he's still got options. So these are guys that, you know, if they're struggling, they can they can move them out. Bring I mean, there's guys that have had good springs, you know, like like Zach Littell and James Scherfey. And, you know, there are guys that they can bring in, although I think, you know, Scherfey's out of options as well. So he may not even uh, if he doesn't make the club, he may not, not not stick with us. But I think that there's 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 enough with that to create maybe a bullpen on the fly and i think they're hoping that as the season progresses you know guys will settle into roles and things will 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 kind of crystallize but for now it looks a little muddy i think i uh, yeah i think it's very muddy and i think i said this a couple episodes ago but when the back end of your bullpen is the sacramento mudcats it can't be considered a good one and that is definitely the case and by back end i mean sorry like me in the 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 less skilled half of your back of your bullpen is the Sacramento Mudcats. Then yeah, it's not it's not a good one. Although I will say this: if you're looking for a good story this spring out of the Giants, I think it's uh, non-roster invitee Nick uh, Trapiano, who, who I think at this point is probably going to be one of the guys who makes the team. Uh, yeah, he's I had a so. really good spring. He's thrown a lot of innings. He's thrown uh, I think at this point uh, thirteen innings, maybe more than that and uh sorry 10 innings and uh so he's got 13 strikeouts in 10 innings that's where i got the number 13 from so he's performing really well you know he's got uh he's got quite a few walks in that same time span as well but his earned run average during that period of time has is great so i i think he's a he's a feel-good story that has come out of the spring he's one of those guys that you know 
he's done everything that you could have asked for him. And I think they're probably going to reward him with, with a spot on the roster. Of course, you know, that's just 10 innings, right? So we really don't know. So I think you're absolutely right. I think this is going to be a, a work in progress. I think that if the Giants do end up becoming competitive and they are uh, buyers rather than sellers at the trade deadline, this is where they're going to look to to make the biggest impact. And I think this is probably going to be the most glaring need. Mm-hmm. You know, although we already we already beat up the, the the starting rotation last last week but that could be an area of need as well but i think i think yes this is going to be one of those things where they're going to hope that somebody's going to prove that they are the guy and they deserve to be on the major league roster and this is one of those things that we can expect a lot of movement and changes within the first couple of months and I don't necessarily think it's going to be a shuttle where people are going back and forth. I think you're going to see a lot of guys come, show up, and if they perform well, they're going to stick around. And if they don't, then they're going to go, and you're never going to see them again. So that's probably what we're looking at. And hopefully they find some guys who stick. and Or, you know, we score so many runs, it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I, think, I think unfortunately, though, yeah, you're right. This is going to be a work in progress, even as the season progresses. And we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Hopefully, it's not a total disaster, you know. But uh, I, I think, unfortunately, a lot of it does hinge on Andreas Maranta, you know, and how and how great he, and how well he is. You know, again, I think it goes back to him. We really need him to come back and, and be the guy that we remember most. And I really hope for his sake it does, because I I'm a big fan of his. I think he was so much fun uh, to watch and. Uh, you know, I, I really, really hope he, he bounces back. And I think it's been a great sign, though, that, you know, he was throwing 92 and, and now he's got, you know, three extra feet on that on the fastball, you know, and his last outing. So, you know, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that this is really just a matter of conditioning or confidence issues coming back off of an injury and and that he will just get stronger as the season progresses. So that's my hope anyway. And it's it's certainly it's certainly a big question mark, though. Yeah, no, it, it is. I think it'll be fun to see who shakes out. You know, guys like Tropiano, I think, are, are fun because you know, they weren't on our radar last year. Although, you know, looking at how he did last year in limited action, he pitched pretty well. I mean, his strikeout to walks ratio was you know, almost uh, what, 11 to 2 last year for the for the pirates in 15 innings but i think the giants saw something that they liked out of that that short span i think so i'm excited to see how he how he continues and you know he's had some i don't know success is the word but he's definitely uh has some experience at the starter level you know with the angels a couple of years ago a few years ago it looks like he was probably a you know spot starter number five starter at times so he has experience in the rotation, but I think you know, I think he's where he's valuable to us is you know, long relief, maybe the spot start, you know, or the starter role, right? Where you know they, the Giants played around a little bit of that last year. Opener, they, opener. Thank you. That's the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I think that those are. Uh, it's it's kind of fun to see you know how these pieces will fit in and and where where we'll we'll go it, you know if he makes a team I mean he has a non roster invitee which is interesting because then they've got to make room for him on the forty man uh, so somebody else has to go he's probably the only one I think that has a chance out of the non roster invitees to to make the opening day roster so. And it's, it's interesting to even talk about the 40-man roster as like, ooh, having to let somebody go. Because I think, you know, a couple of years ago, there were, there were lots of candidates, I think, to let go on the 40-man roster. And now, I think there's, there's some painful decisions that have to be made, uh, you know, if you're bringing somebody on to the 40-man. So it'll be interesting to see how that, all, how that all shakes out. Yeah, 
they've been building up a lot of guys that they don't want to get rid of. Yeah, yeah. But I do like him. I like, like let's start talking about Nick Tropiano here. I do like the fact that he can be used in that opener role. And I think this is actually an excellent opportunity for Kapler to show us whether or not he's a guy who can stick with somebody who's got the hot hand or whether he's always just going to go by the numbers. Because you could put somebody like Tropiano out there, and if he's pitching well, you could just leave him out there, right? And so then the other team has got to think about that. Is this? Am I looking at this guy as just an opener, and they're going to bring somebody else in? Or is this the guy that I'm looking at as the starter? And I think you could definitely go to a situation where he could be a bullpen game starter, right? Maybe he can go three, four innings, and... And then you never see that the starter that was allegedly that you thought you were going to see. So I do think he actually gives them a lot of options around around that role. And I, I think given the way he's performed in spring training, given the way that he's performed in the past, given the fact that he has experience as a starter, that he is what I think you would traditionally call a swing man in the old days, I think he probably is going to make the roster. I think with all the flexibility and the way he's performed, yes, it does create an awkward situation with the 40-man roster. But, you know... That's why they get paid the big bucks is to make hard decisions like that. So you yeah. know, I, I think I think he'll be there. That's my guess. And I think I think he's definitely somebody to watch and is an exciting part of the bullpen. So uh, you know if you're if you're looking for a bright light, uh, he's definitely one of them, or at least a, a fun story to follow as the season opens. So. Um, well, it'll yeah. be fun to see how this bullpen shakes out. Uh, you know, I think the last thing I want to say about that is that. They have a lot of lefties uh, in their uh, system right now, so you know, so there's they, they could conceivably have more left-handers than right-handers, which would be a little bit odd. So definitely going to be interesting to see how that back end kind of shakes out uh, on when they announce their final final rosters. So switching gears a little bit, Ben, um, you know, one of the things that you know, looking to the season, I was curious, you know, because last year the, the the Giants got off to a horrible start. I think they were like six and. 18 or 8 and 13 or I don't know something really bad the, the first the first month plus of the season and uh, and which speaks testament to how they ended up you know almost at 500 you know they, they played well the rest of the way uh, but so I was kind of looking at the schedule this year to see what is the first month versus the second month look like for the Giants and I got to say you know yeah April uh, looks you know fairly it could be a competitive month for us as for the Giants you know, they play the Padres once in the second series. They open up against Seattle. They're playing the National League Central. Uh, they play the Reds. Uh, they get to play the Rockies, like, what, six times. So there's only one East Coast swing. They go to Florida and then Philadelphia in the middle of the month. So I feel like this, you know, April is the month where they have to get off to a good start. Uh, otherwise, because then in May, they play the Padres and the Dodgers like half their games uh, in, in May are either against the Padres or the Dodgers and so I feel like uh, April is a really important month for the Giants and they can't afford uh, a start like they had last year yeah so I agree I agree for sure last season the Giants opened up the season the first 24 games they were 8 and 16 that was after starting the season 4 and 4 so they had a, a really rough go of it for about uh, was it 16 games. After that, they ripped off a six-game winning, seven-game winning streak with uh, a walk-off win to end it against the Dodgers. 
they and that was against the angels and the diamondback so i think two teams at the point in time are probably probably the right teams to to go get well against so yeah they definitely they definitely started off rough and but they were able to turn it around and they ended up you know obviously being competitive through to the end of the season you know before before falling off i absolutely agree though they they have a really easy first month "Quote unquote easy," where they're playing a lot of teams that should be as that are going to be average or below average, and I really feel like they need to come out of the first month with a winning record. We need to be looking at their record being a few games above five hundred, because that's going to establish them as being a competitive team against lesser quality teams. That I mean, above average, right? That's going to mean they're going to be above average team. And yeah, things are going to get real tough real fast. And if they can come out of May, sorry, April with a winning record somewhere in the 15 and 10 range, then I think we're in a good position. They're in a good position. They got to go play some tough opponents and grind it out through May and then hopefully come out of May at 500. I think you're looking at a team that can be competitive through the rest of the season. If they come out of May uh, over 500, then, you know, then we're really looking at something interesting and exciting. But if they don't come out of April with an above 500 record, I'm looking at 13 and 12 as being the lowest that we could tolerate, then we're looking at a really rough season. Because I think after that, it, they're going to start hitting some really tough teams and things are probably going to be a lot more daunting from them to recover from now obviously they got to play the games they gotta you know you you can have a bad stretch against bad teams and turn it around against good teams obviously those things can happen and they're super exciting when they do so we'll just see how it all plays out but yeah they really need to come out and and beat some teams up early to prove that they are a team worth talking about so, and I think they can. I, I think they should be able to to beat some of these other teams, like the Mariners and the Reds. Uh, you know, I, I think that's the Marlins. The Marlins is a really interesting team because they're they're kind of looking like you know they're they're not a great team. They're certainly better than they've been in the years past. They should probably rate around, in my you know estimate, kind of like Diamondback ish kind of quality. And the Giants have to finish ahead of the Diamondbacks, obviously. So. The Giants have to be a better team than the Marlins. So we should expect them to win most of these series, you know, in the first first month, for sure. And and they better. Because if they don't, then they're in a bad spot. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about these teams that we're, we're playing. I, you know, that begs the question, what, uh, you know, what, what, what can we expect out of the other divisions? Because obviously how the other divisions play out affect you know, our uh, likelihood of making the playoffs, you know, and, and, you know, that we obviously know the National League West being the Dodgers and the Padres are, are obviously one and two in people's rankings, sometimes in the entire National League. So if the Giants have any chance of making the playoffs, they have to finish better than the non-division winners in the Central and the East. And so, you know, what, where is our challenge there? Well, let's start with the East. Actually, let's start with the central because I think that's the easier answer. <laughs> the central is arguably the worst division in baseball. It is not very interesting to say the least. I, I think the Brewers are, are the class of that division. 
I don't think they're as good. I don't think they're even the fifth best team in the National League. I think the Reds are really interesting. I hope for their sake they are competitive this year because, gosh, boy, do those fans need it. I can't imagine what it's like to be a Reds fan and you know, in the last 30 years. So I really hope that uh, that they're competitive just for the sake of their fans. But whoever wins that division is probably not even going to be as good as the wild cards that, that season. So they should consider them, themselves very, very lucky. I don't think there's really much to be said about that division. I mean, a couple of interesting notes. The Pirates are still the Pirates. You know, the Cubs and Cardinals are not probably going to be very competitive. So there's two teams that we have seen in the last, you know, 10 years have been very, very competitive. They are probably not going to be uh, much out of those two teams. I think most of the noise is going to be made by the Brewers and the Reds, which is unusual. So exciting for them, but neither of those teams is really going to challenge for the wild card. So they better hope they win the division. I think that's how that division is going to play out. Agreed. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're not so concerned about the Central. And it's good that, you know, we play the Reds. We play some of these teams. Uh, hopefully we, we can. Yeah, in that sense, it's a good barometer, right? We better be yeah. beating those teams. Yeah. Every, we better be beating every team that we face in, in the Central. Yeah. Maybe not the Brewers, right? You know, but but you better be having a winning record against each of those teams, not just the division overall. And then going over to the East, you know, we've got you know the Braves had a good season last year, and and this year they've got you know Pablo Sandoval as their starting. <laughs> he's on their opening baseman? day roster. Uh, yeah, he's on their opening day roster. We'll see. He was on their postseason roster. He's making their opening day roster. So Panda Panda time in Atlanta. Uh, you know, who, who are the teams that we're worried about, I guess, as far as who are going to make life hard for the Giants on that? I think this is the strongest division in the National League. It's the most competitive overall. I mean, obviously, you know, I think the West is very, the spectrum, it runs the spectrum. I think you have the best team in baseball in the West, and I think you have the worst team in baseball in the West. Unfortunately, neither of those is the Giants, and, but fortunately, neither of those is the Giants. So I think in the East, you have a very, very competitive division. I, I think the one thing that's really, really interesting to me is how many people are up on the Mets. They made some really interesting acquisitions during the offseason that make themselves that make them much better. So on paper, this is a team that should compete very, very well. And a lot of people are picking them to win the division. You know, I think they're the Mets, so they've got to have some sort of like disappointment clause in there somewhere, right? I mean, they're going to disappoint their fans, right? That's kind of what the Mets do. So I think I think it's interesting. I think it's really, really interesting. I think it's an exciting year to be a Mets fan. I think I, I would love to see them compete strongly against the Braves. You know, I think it's good for everybody when a, the, the Mets play well. And so I, I think it, it, it's really, really interesting. I think sometimes, though, when you put together a team on paper, and I think we saw this with the Padres a couple of years ago, at first they don't really gel. You know, so it, it seems like they should play well and then they just don't. And, and sometimes it's due to injuries and sometimes it's just due to guys having, you know, off years. But sometimes when you when you put a, part, a bunch of parts together, they don't really gel and it doesn't really sink in until the next year. So I think you could see a little bit of a disappointment in the Mets. I think that would be good a good thing for the Giants because if the Mets are as good as the Braves and the Braves are very, very good, then there is no way the Giants are winning a wild card. If the Mets and Braves both perform at the level that everybody expects them to, and the Dodgers and the Padres expect, perform at the level that everybody expects them to, then no other team has a chance. Because all of those teams are going to be 
the class of the National League. They're all going to be great teams. And we really, really better hope that the Mets are not as good as everybody thinks they are. That's that's kind of how I view that. You know, I think it's really interesting. I think it's really, you know, I think the Braves have proven they're a great team. I think the Mets had, a you know, not a great season last year. But again, they made a bunch of acquisitions and people are super excited about them. So, so we'll see. The Nationals and Phillies are both 500 teams. They are in the hunt. They should not, they should consider themselves able to make a playoff spot if something goes wrong. They're like the Giants in a lot of ways. I think the Nationals and Phillies are teams that realize that they're not on everybody's you know radar or picked to make the playoff spots. But, you know, weird things happen during a baseball season. And if the stars align just right, they could be there in the end. And so just like the Giants, I think that's the Nationals and the Phillies. The Marlins are not as bad as they have been, right? The Marlins are are getting better. I think we should view them as being roughly equivalent in quality as the Diamondbacks. But that's the that's the worst team in the National League East, right? Is is the Diamondbacks is at Diamondback level, who I think will finish behind the Giants this year. I picked the Diamondbacks to be to finish fourth. But, you know, I, I could see a way where the Diamondbacks perform, outperform a little bit, and they finish, you know, at 500, you know, or better. And so I think that's the Marlins as well. So you could definitely see an NL East where they all finish at 500 or better, or should, if not for the fact that they all have to play each other. So, And, and, but I, th- and I think that that's a good point, right? Playing each other uh, could be beneficial for the Giants as well, uh, maybe maybe preventing the Mets and the Braves from running away with anything. Whereas in the, in, in the West, you know, everyone gets to play the Rockies. Uh, and, and so that, that makes it a little bit harder because now we've all got a whipping boy. And uh, yeah, baby, we're going to win at least 18 games. <laughs> and well, and I know you're still bitter about 93. When 90, uh, yeah, 1993, when the Rockies went, oh, and everything against the Atlanta Braves. Yes. yes. Yes, I'm still bitter about 93. I will always be bitter about 93. Yeah. I don't care if it was your first season in the league. You got to win one game out of 13 against the Braves. You win that one game and we get to play them in a one winner take all where we get John Burkett or Bill Swift pitching against them instead of putting all of our hopes on just sorry. sorry. Yeah, I, you bet you're a you bet you bet you bet your booty. I'm still upset about 1993. <laughs> and th- there are listeners here who don't who weren't even born in '93. But you know there are. Uh, we have listeners. Well, you gotta. You, well, I'm I'm imagining <laughs> listeners that that were not born in '93, and so I'm hoping that they understand that uh, there once was a team that went oh and. 13 or whatever against uh, one of their division opponents. Yeah, so. and the Braves and the Giants were in the same division, the NL yeah. West. Yes. Yeah, yes, because Georgia days. used to be on the West Coast of the United States, but then it moved. <laughs> and so they had to realign the divisions. All right. Well, so, yeah, so I think that, that paints a good picture for how the Giants can make the playoffs and what we're what we're hoping will happen in each of the divisions for that to happen. I want to I want to end our podcast with some fun maybe some fun questions about the season and and some predictions. Uh, so I've got some questions for you, Ben. And okay. um, my first question for you is: Could Yaz win MVP? Um, yeah, I definitely think Yaz could win the MVP. He was in the running last season, and I know I beat up on twenty twenty, but but Yaz is legit. He's the best. Giants baseball player right now 
and he is one of the best baseball players in the National League, in all of baseball. I know he came out of nowhere. I know it was unexpected. It doesn't matter. The guy has proven it over the course of two seasons. He is a legit threat at the plate. He is the guy that everybody has to worry about the most in the Giants lineup. He is exciting. Uh, He is... You know, he is so great when he talks. You know, he's just got a great persona. He's everything that you would want an MVP to be. Plus, you know, plus he can hit the snot out of the ball. And he's great in the outfield. And and none of that has anything to do with his grandfather, right? And then he's got the cool name, right? So, so yes, I think Yaz could definitely win the MVP. It means he's going to have to outperform some really special players, obviously. I think, you know, I think we've got... Uh, obviously Tatis in in San Diego you've got pick your Dodger (laughs) right you've got I mean I I know that Bryce Harper is not a guy that I'm high on but he did have a good season last year and certainly has the potential to to rebound and I'm sure that he wants to so there are a lot of candidates out there uh, for the the NL MVP and I think you would pick a lot of those people ahead of Yaz but could he do it for sure and it, you know, I think he could put together. And I think, I think it, we should not even be surprised at all if he's in the discussion come August, right? I don't think we should be surprised. I, I think people will, will will throw his name out there. Now he might be like, you know, the, the also ran at that point in time, but but yeah, he could absolutely win the the MVP. Well, yeah, and he was he was eighth last year in uh, MVP voting, so definitely people know who he is. And oh yeah, if he has another season uh like he did this year uh you would expect you know i think the respect level would go up among voters as well so i think you know he definitely has an opportunity to to win um i mean he had a good season last year i mean 297 a f- 400 on base percentage he's had two good seasons in a row man the guy's That's real amazing the guy's hey real. just a little side though you know who finished 16th in mvp voting last year i did brandon belt <laughs> okay that makes more sense <laughs> That makes more Does sense. It, love, Does it though? Does it make more sense? Because Brandon Belt, I mean, everybody loves to hate Brandon, and uh, he's you know one of the top twenty players in the National League. I think Giants fans love to hate Brandon Belt. I think people who know baseball know that they should love Brandon Belt. Brandon Belt's great. I agree. Brandon Belt is a great baseball player. Could Brandon Belt uh, win MVP next year? Ah, uh, less likely, but I think possible. You know, I think. You know, they brought the fences in, and I, I, I'm i trying to think, you know, but, hmm, yeah, yes. Like, if Brandon could hit home runs in 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 whatever the name of the Giants Park is now, AT&T, right? Oracle. If he could hit home runs there, Oracle, sorry, I get so many names. <laughs> if he could hit, if he could hit home runs there, then I think, I think, yes, he could absolutely win the MVP. The, the question for Brandon is, he, is he going to, you know, he's going to get struck by lightning, literally. <laughs> Literally, or he's gonna get he's gonna get attacked by a shark while playing baseball. It's gonna be like a scene out of uh, that that new internet game, Blaseball. That's what's gonna happen to him. He's gonna get incinerated while at the plate because of some weird weather condition. That sort of stuff happens to Brandon Belt. But yeah, if the guy has a great season, a season that then yes, he could. He's a little. It's I think it's less likely that he would do it than Yaz. So I think it would be definitely a cool story. But. 
Well, he needs to stay healthy for one, and he needs to stay and, healthy. And and I mean, he had a he had an OPS over a thousand. I mean, he's one of only a handful of players that did that last year. I mean, that's Brandon Belt is a great baseball player and has consistently been a great baseball player. But he gets hit in the face by foul balls. He has appendicitis, yeah. right? Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the guy has the worst luck of any baseball player in terms of weird like not weird injuries but just random injuries that have nothing to do with what he's doing on the field (laughs) right so and the guy i mean the guy got covid and mono in the off season like double doozy i i the you know, that I, I feel for him because that means he's not only weirdly unlucky in baseball, he might just be weirdly unlucky in life. So, you know, I mean... Yes. Don't stand next to him in busy traffic. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But, but yeah, no, I think defi- I, that Brandon Belt could definitely win the MVP if he has a great season and he puts up... The thing is, he's got he's to hit 30-plus home runs and, and he's never hit 20. All right, well, another question for you. So today Kapler mentioned that uh, Logan Webb will start the third game of the season. So he pretty much announced that Logan Webb's going to make the opening day roster. And not only is he going to make the opening day roster, he's going to pitch the third game of the opening series. Uh, So over under for wins this year for uh, Webb, uh, does he win more or less than 12 games? Ooh. This might be the, you know what, I'm, I, this is definitely the French 75 talking, but I'm going to let the optimist in me out and say he's going to go over. Now, the real Ben would say, no way he wins more than 12. But drunk Ben. <laughs> but drunk Ben. Yeah. French 75, Ben. Um, no, that's, a, I, first of all, I think that's a great number. Because first of all, I think if he wins 12 games, we're going to be super happy. Yeah. But the guy has had a great spring, and it's not just you and I and Giants fans that are excited about this guy. Everybody's excited about this guy. Yeah, and he's 24 years old. It's not like this is like just some sort of fluke, right? A lot had been put on his shoulders early in his career, and that means he's been sort of he's been outperforming for a while, given his age, and. I think it's definitely possible that he comes in and he establishes himself as a guy that everybody's going to be talking about for the next five to six years, you know, and or longer. I definitely think that's a possibility. So I think he could definitely come in and win 13 games and really become, if not the anchor of the rotation, the number two guy in the rotation. Yeah. I do think he could win more than... And so... On record, I'm going to say yes. I think Logan Webb is going to win more than 12 games this season. I like it. I will probably, the, the betting Ben, the real thinking Ben, will probably regret that later. But, but I'm, going to, I'm going to hold myself to it. 13 games or more for, for Logan Webb. All right. All right. And I got one more for you. So Buster Posey. Yeah, sat out last year. He's had some hip surgeries. And so a couple of uh, years, it's been a few years since we've seen the Buster Posey that we know and love. But let me ask you, over under for home runs for Buster this year, 11. Ooh, that's a good number. That's a good number for Buster because Buster's never been a home run guy. He's not a, he's not a home run hitter. No, I mean, his, his, his major league best in a season is 24. 
Yeah, he's a flashy home run hitter. He hits them at the right moment. Or maybe I'm just remembering one home run, but we all remember that home run. I mean, his MVP season was uh, he hit 24. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and I'm thinking about the home run against the Reds. Yeah. But, ooh, that's a good one. Hmm. 11, 11, 11. You know what? I'm happy. We're celebrating today. Yes. He's going to hit more than 11. He's going to hit more than 12, Matthew. <laughs> He's going to hit. I'm going to. Logan Webb is going to win as many games as Buster Posey hits home runs. That's my guess. That's how, po- how positive I am right now. They're wow. Gonna, yes. This is a new Ben. I, I We need to give you some of these, what are they, French 75s? Is that what they're French called? French 75. We need yeah. to give you more those more often because uh, this is a, a whole new Ben. Uh, I will say the last time Buster hit 12 home runs was in 2017. He was an all-star and won the Silver Slugger Award that year. So uh, I would take 2017 Buster in a heartbeat. And I yeah. really hope, I, I'm really hoping that the year off did him some good and that uh, we can see, you know, kind of a buster that we're used to seeing and not, not someone who's declining into, you know, the, their, their senior years. Yeah, I think we all want that for Buster, don't we? I, I think we all want to see him rebound and have some more great seasons and eventually get himself into the Hall of Fame discussion, right? You know, yeah. there's not, I mean, in my heart, he's in the Hall of Fame, right? He's a Hall of Fame giant. I think we all know that. There's no There's no doubt about that. You know, I think Buster Posey is one of the great giants of all time, without a doubt, in, in lore and in history. And I don't think anybody really cares about what his career stats will be. He is a great all-time giant, which I think is why we all want to see him come back and have a great season. And, and then, you know, and that's why I want to see him have a bunch more great seasons, not just because I want to, you know, have the Giants to win, but because I just like Buster Posey so much as a player and as part of the Giants history. So I, I think, yeah, I think we all want that. And I think we all hope for that. You know, at the same time, it really doesn't matter. I mean, his his record and his pedigree speaks for itself. I think in a lot of ways, if if this is the end, the beginning of the end for Posey. I think in a lot of ways his career reminds me of of Will Clark's, you know, mm. in that Will Clark is the same kind of giant in our hearts that Buster Posey is. You know, he was the heart and soul of that late 80s team, and he did so many great things, and he's a very, very different player than Buster Posey in terms of excitement and, and how he... How he um, presented himself on the field but I think Giants fans love them both in the same way and I think in a lot of ways that's what reminds me of and you know I, I just hope that Buster at least has one more great season I know there was a season where Clark went to 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 St. Louis and was hitting next to um, McGuire in the lineup and he had this rebound year that was just really special and, and the Cardinals fans you know loved him for it and the Cardinals fans are well, the Cardinals fans are good fans, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, and, and so I think that's and that's really what I'm hoping for, I guess, for Buster, is just another season like that. I'd really like to see him come back and have you know, three or four of those seasons and really get into the Hall of Fame discussion. But um, I'm a believer. 
right now I'm a believer. And, uh, you know, I think this season will be the season that tells us what's happening. But All right. Sorry, that's okay. my love letter to Buster Posey. All right. Buster, well, I love you. Love you, Buster. All right. So as we finish this off, let's, uh, what, what one, what one thing are you looking forward to finding out about this season or seeing this season, um, as it plays out? Hmm. I think there's a lot of things to be interested in about this team. I think we're going to learn a lot about Gabe Kapler this year and how he's going to manage and run a team. Is he going to just always be a by-the-book kind of guy? And by the book, I mean whatever their game plan is, even if it's not a game plan that we're used to seeing. Like, is he going to is he going to let his eyes and how players are performing on the field change his mind about decisions he would have made, you know, before the game started? I think that's one. We're going to learn a lot about Gabe Kapler this season, so I'm interested in that. I'm interested to see how, you know, Buster Posey comes back. We just talked about it. Clearly, I'm interested in that. I'm really interested to see how he he bounces back after missing 2020 and the hip surgery and all of that. I think the most exciting story to me, though, right now, has got to be Logan Webb. I, I really am intrigued by how well he's performed. And I really do think this could be the start of something really special, or at least, you know, really reliable, you know, and I'm I'm interested to see how that goes. So I think really, yeah, at the end of the day, that's what I'm most excited about. That's what I'm most interested in is to see how Logan Webb performs. You know, I I like, there's a lot of things about the Giants to like right now. I like Yastrzemski. I like Dickerson. I think you know that. I, I love watching those guys hit. I love it when they're hot. I think, uh, you know, Buster Posey's clearly got a, a, a special place in my heart, but there's a lot of good things to like about this team. There's a lot of reasons to watch them this year. But I think I'm most interested in Logan Webb. I want to, I, I really think that this is a guy that is ha- has a great opportunity in front of him and seems to be primed to take it. And I really hope he gets the opportunity to do that, you know, in terms of all the bad things that can happen, injury and whatnot. I really hope that he gets the opportunity to take it, and I'm really intrigued to see how it plays out. So, so Logan Webb's my my bet. All right, well, how about you? A... What are you looking for? Well, I think for me, I, you know, the first thought that came to me was Tommy Lastella, and to see how he fits into the lineup, uh, and he seems like such a great weapon. And how how is that going to play out? How is he going to contribute? How is he going to fit into the team that we saw last year? And how are those pieces going to be moved around? I, I just, you know, that to me, it seems like both Belt and uh, Longoria have a good chance of actually making the opening day roster. So where where is the playing time coming from and how does that all work out? And I think that kind of speaks to your thoughts about Kapler and how he manages the team this year. I think that'll kind of play into a little bit of that. But I'm really curious. I mean, they went out and offered Stella, Stella only one of the, one of the few multi-year contracts and so what does that mean you know for for him and for the giants uh and then two players that i'm really curious about seeing blossom or play more is mauricio dubon i want to see does he continue what he did the second half of last season uh it seems like he's had a great spring he's getting on base a lot driving the ball 
And so I'm, I'm, you know, I just want to see, does that play out in a full 162 game season? And because it seems like if, if so, then he could, he could have a special year. And then the one player that I'm really curious about is kind of on the back end, on the rate, on the, the fringes is Austin Slater. And what is this guy? Does he get an opportunity? Uh, and if he does, what does he do with it? Because he just seems like he's had a good spring. When is he going to put it all together? And it seems like he's starting to do that, but it also seems like there's not going to be a lot of opportunities for him to do so unless someone gets hurt. And so, uh, so those are kind of the things that I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, shake out. And and of course, you know, can the Giants compete? Can they be tough outs for the Padres and the Dodgers? And you know, how do they stack up against those guys? Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. Um, maybe I won't look so forward to it if they lose all the time, but uh, but I am curious to kind of see how that morbid curiosity maybe to see how they stack up. They're going to win some games against those guys. I think sure. so too. I think they're going to be tough. Yeah, maybe, maybe not uh, over 500, but I think they're they're going to be tough. And I, I think that that'll be fun to see. I don't know how the rest of the season is going to play out, but I bet you they play close to 500 at least against one of those two. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. And I think I think at the end of the season, a lot of people are going to look back at the Giants as spoilers at the very least. For sure. All right. Well, that sounds like a prediction. Let's uh, let's let's leave it at that. Ben says they're going to be spoilers at the very least, and uh, I'll take that. Uh, yeah, possible that's it. Plan. That's as happy as I get. That's it. That's that's, <laughs> that's for those of you who don't know Ben. That's a bold, like uh, optimistic, optimistic prediction. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, with that, uh, I think we should close this up. It was great talking baseball and drinking cocktails with you. And yeah, uh, you too. And uh, maybe we should tell people where they can find us. Well, yeah. So you can find me on Twitter at Watch Ben Fail. You can find me on Twitter at Sonoma Y Guy. Yeah, and you can find us wherever you find podcasts. So don't That's forget right. Search to... for Giant Cocktails. And don't forget to subscribe and uh, hope to see you again. And Ben, we'll see you next week after this Giants open their season. Looking forward to talking regular season baseball with you and having another drink. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. <laughs>